Welcome, Viking fans, to Skull State of Mind. I'm your host, David Woods, and we got an interesting podcast episode for you. So stay tuned. Here's the intro. Hey there, Vikings Nation. Get ready to dive deep into the Skull State of Mind. Join our host, D. Woods, as he shares his unfiltered takes on all things Vikings. From expert game analysis to player controversies and everything in between. If you love the Vikings for better or worse, then you've come to the right place. So grab a drink and let's talk all things purple and gold. This is the Skull State of Mind podcast. That's right. We back. Episode three, Skull State of Mind podcast. If you haven't already, like, subscribe so you can get the content on the regular. So let's dive right into it because I know I haven't been on on a couple of weeks. I haven't really been consistent, but we're going to try it. The Netflix series quarterbacks. I know I put a tweet out there saying, everybody, you know, don't ruin it for me. I appreciate everybody out there that didn't ruin it for me. I only have about like two episodes left and I'm really feeling the series. Like I'm really feeling it. Like the Pat Mahomes situation, you know, Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Like I'm actually having a newfound respect for Kirk Cousins, like considering like he was the most hit quarterback last year and the guy just kept getting up and kept making plays and kept playing. I mean, I just really have a newfound respect for Kirk Cousins going forward, you know, like, and it's actually getting me more hype for next season to considering that they did all that with, a um, you know, bad offensive line, bad defense, you know, 13 and four. So hopefully, you know, the Vikings can build on that and have a, a great season, but, we're going to come back to Kirk Cousins. I never knew that Patrick Mahomes was a big shit talker. Like, he really gives me Phillip River vibes. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, when you're the best quarterback in the in the league, talk your shit. Like, I, I'm not mad at it, but just going into depth of Pat Mahomes and seeing, you know, him creating plays on the fly, you know, just, just being comfortable in that offense. And one thing that that I, I looked at, you know, during the series too, was him driving his wife, his pregnant wife, let's get that out there, his pregnant wife and his young kid home after the game. That really made me feel like, damn, Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes at the end of the day, he's just a normal guy like everybody else. Yeah, he might have the $200 million contracts, but, you know, he's just driving his, you know, his wife and kid home like everybody else do. I thought them showing that light in the series, you know, was 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 kind of cool, you know. But Mariota, I know everybody, you know, talking about Mariota, you know, having this child and quitting on the team. But I think about it like this. They only had four games left in the season. So what was he going to do? Sitting on the clipboard, there was no guarantee that he was going to sign back there. We know he wasn't going to sign back there. So I'm not really too upset about him you know, moving on and, you know, having the surgery so he can be, you know, 100% healthy for this season coming up because they were going to go with Desmond Ritter anyway. But that's just the news about those two players that's on the series. I just thought I would give them, the, give them some respect. But, you know, our guy, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, man, like the whole mental aspect of it, um, putting in the work, you know, in the film room, uh, having people come to his house and and make sure his body is right. Like me, honestly, 
I, I'm going to still have my complaints about Kirk Cousins from time to time because, I mean, he is the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. So you're going to have your complaints going forward. But I'm just like, this whole series put Kirk in a whole new life for me. It's like, man, this guy really puts in the work outside of the field. I mean, and that's, to me, it's, it's much appreciated. I hear a lot of fans out there, you know, criticize Kirk Cousins and it's like, oh, you know, he don't make no calls on his own and he should be doing this and he should be doing that. Like you saw in that series that Kirk tried to win the Buffalo game with the quarterback sneak. You know, Kevin O'Connell did not call that play. That was something that Kirk Cousins did himself. So like we got to we got to figure it out as fans. Are we going to complain about everything that Kirk Cousins does? You know, oh, he don't he don't call his own plays. He don't do no audibles. He don't do this. And then when we see the series where he's actually doing it, we don't even give him no credit for it. But me personally, I'm going to give him credit for it. So, Kirk Cousins, man, you did your thing last season. Hopefully you can build on that. You know, 13-4 and four was a tall task. I understand we might have a drawback next season because there's more film, you know, on our on our offense and the struggling defense. But, like, the series, in all honesty, though, I really feel like it opened up my eye about Kirk Cousins a whole lot more. And I have like, you know, much respect for Kirk Cousins. So, you know, going forward, I know you guys all heard about Jordan Addison, 140 in the 50 speeding zone on the Minnesota highway. I'm not sure it was the highway or whatever, but boy got problems. I mean, us Vikings fans, we've seen it before. Um, we had it, we seen it in 2001 with Randy Moss when he basically drug a meter made for you know for a couple of blocks or however it was. I'm not there, so I don't really know the details, but I know he got cited for that. Um, Corin Robinson in uh 2006 basically, basically, he was speeding downtown Minnesota doing 120. Um, this is how I really feel about the situation. Uh, when I heard about it and read about it, saw the tweets and, you know, just looking online, like, damn, this kid really did this. Like it really gave me like Henry Ruggs vibes. And it's like, I understand that nobody got hurt, but when you're doing those excessive speeds, the slight movement can roll over your car. You can crash into something like, it's just it's completely dangerous and it's it's basically like playing with fire and i just feel like you know jordan addison is young i'm not gonna even go in and say like oh he's making money and you know he's doing this and it's it's like we got to be safe human beings first and him driving around erratically basically being reckless doing 140 like anything could happen he could hit a kid he could hit a mom he could hit a dad he could hit anybody in you know, that's the end of their life. So I really feel like going forward, maybe the league or the Vikings organization needs to suspend him. I know that might be an unpopular opinion, but you have to set precedent with things like that. Like, in my opinion, you do, because he does this now. And let's say, you know, he gets a slap on the wrist and, you know, Maybe he gets a fine by the league and, you know, he got to go to traffic court, everything like that. That's cool. But what if he does it again? Like, you got to make sure he understands that this kind of 
behavior is not tolerated. I mean, he's it's only in the first year. He ain't even stepped on a football field yet and played his first game, and he's already in the media in the wrong way. So I know some people out there are going to be like, oh, no, it's just a traffic ticket or whatever. Yeah, it's just a traffic ticket. But he was doing 140 in a 50-per-mile-hour speed limit. Like, that's 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 90 miles over the speed limit. Like, that's completely dangerous. And I'm just like, you have to hold them accountable going forward. Like, I don't know if there's people in the Vikings organization that can basically, you know, help them out and, and tell them, you know, you can't be doing these things and stuff like that. I mean, one of the perfect, perfect guys, one of the, his coaches, Keenan McCardell, perfect guy for him to, to, to sit Addison down and, and talk to him and be like, look, man, you can't be doing it because he, he can ruin his whole career by doing stupid things like that. We've seen it. We've seen it happen before where these players, they make a one stupid decision and it ruins their whole career. And I got high hope for Jordan Addison. I really do. I really want him to succeed, you know, not just because he's a Viking, but just because I understand the aspect of, you know, giving your life basically to football with practices and, 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 you know, and having to keep your grades up. Like he's really made this commitment to reach the highest level. And I wouldn't want him to, to tarnish that or not benefit from that for just a stupid, stupid, you know, behavior. So going forward, Jordan Addison, I hope you get your help that you need and, you know, just, just be careful out there, man. Just be careful out there. So Justin Jefferson's extension. We have no word about it yet. I just thought it was a topic I would just bring up right now because we really have no word on the Justin Jefferson extension. Like we, we heard talks and we heard this, we heard that. I mean, we already know Jefferson is probably going to break the bank and be the highest paid non-quarterback in the league, which in my opinion is going to set the market. But I think also, too, he might be one of the last receivers to get paid that amount of money. You know what? Let me correct myself. Jamar Chase next year will probably be the last receiver to get that kind of money because I have a theory. I have a theory that after Jefferson and Chase get their money and they get these crazy contracts, I think the NFL is going to do the same thing they did with the running back that they're doing with the running backs and devaluate because if you really think about it though, a lot of these college offices, they're just passing the ball. They're just passing the ball. Running backs are not being drafted as much that, as they was in the first round. And you, every year you get a, you get a top rookie receiver coming out every year. And sometimes it's not even in the first round, you get receivers developing in the third round and the second round. So what I'm thinking is why would teams pay, you know, that 25 to $40 million for a non-quarterback for a receiver when they already know that they can probably draft one and develop one in the next couple of years. And that's exactly what they're doing with the running back position. So I'm just, I'm thinking that I'm going to be watching it. And I just really hope, you know, they don't devalue it as much as they did the running back position. But if you think about it really though, I think Cooper cup, he wasn't a first round draft pick. I'm not sure, but um, these receivers are coming out ready to go. So, why would you keep paying, you know, these receivers that much money? Now, now, since we're talking about devalued positions, Dalvin Cook. What's going on with Dalvin Cook? I made a video uh, a few weeks ago about Dalvin Cook landing spots. You know, we were talking about, you know, basically every team in the, in the AFC East. But 
he ain't signed nowhere yet. Then there was was reports about maybe you know his domestic you know violent situation you know from a year or two ago is kind of hindering teams from signing them because they're not sure if he's going to be able to play all 17 games. I mean, shit, Cook first year is playing all all 17 games last season without with him not being hurt. But it will be a factor if you want to bring a guy new to your organization. You want to make sure that he's going to be available. To, to start and play and be productive without those games. And then there were reports saying that basically like there are some kind of settlement out there and, you know, Cook's not going to see any, any severe suspension, but you know, with the NFL, they can say one thing and they can do another. So we really don't know what to say here, but there are reports saying that the, the Vikings have offered Cook like $7 million to come back. Now this is how I feel about that. This is how I feel about that. If you're going to offer Dalvin Cook $7 million to come back, then why, then why did you cut him? I just feel like this is starting to look like Quazy may have, you know, his, his hands tied somewhere. Or maybe he doesn't really, like, know what he's doing going forward because they could have cut Cook at the beginning of the offseason and saved the same amount of money that they're saving now, you know. But they waited and they played the game with – Trying to trade him and trying, try, trying to excuse me, trying to do good by him. Um, all these other reports came out and like that, and then they just cut him. And now there's reports saying that they're going to bring him back for seven million. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I would love to have Cook back. Like I'm not saying Cook's talent, you know, isn't warranted to be on this team. It, I mean, the more weapons the Vikings have, the better their season can be. Like I'm with that, but what does that mean for Alexander Madison? Like, he's slated to be the Vikings starter week one. But if you bring Cook back, is Cook going to be in, be in a backup role? I don't think so. So it's kind of like, it's, it's really making me question crazy a whole lot because it's like, what are you doing? Do you actually have a plan at running back on what you want to do? And are you feeling sorry that Cook hasn't got a job out there or are you trying to lowball him again? Or maybe this is just the money that they offered Cook for a pay cut and basically told him on the way out, like, hey, your your pay cut is still on the table. We don't know. We're not in those buildings. We're not in the building. You know, we don't make the decisions. But it's just kind of weird, though, for, to, to cut a guy and offer him a contract back and say it's on the table. I'm just really questioning crazy going forward. And just like I said before, you know, on other podcasts and, you know, this podcast and, you know, different posts that we're still measuring like Kevin, O'Con- Kevin O'Connell and crazy because they're both new in their perspective roles. This is the first, this is actually the first time, you know, Quasi is a general manager for an NFL team where he's calling the shots. Some say the Wilfs are calling the shots. I mean, shit, the Wilfs are calling the shots anyway, because, they are the owners of the teams. So they are they're, they're going to have their say so regardless of who the general manager is. So we don't know what to expect by these guys, but now we can get get some kind of notes down to kind of figure it out, you know, of what's going on. All right. Daniil Hunter. There still hasn't been much word about the Daniil Hunter situation going on. It's a big dilemma that's hanging over training camp. I mean, at this point, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not sure what the salary cap implications are if you trade him or if you cut him. I'm not a salary cap guru. I've told you guys that before. I'm, I'm just giving you my 
unfiltered opinion. But in all honesty, I would like to see the Neil Hunter on maybe a two to three year deal because I want to keep him in the building. Um, I'm not sure what the Vikings really have as pass rushers outside of the Neil Hunter. Like the guy that they signed, um, you know, in free agency from, from the Saints, I mean, the guy only had a half a sack last season. And he had a lot of pressures, things like that, but he just couldn't close the job. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Daniil, but if they move him, trade him, let him go, or do anything else, I'm not sure the Vikings have the pass rush to actually, you know, scare some offenses going going forward. And I really honestly think that with the similar style in Brian Flores and Mike Zimmer, I think he wants Daniil Hunter to be in the building, and maybe he doesn't even take the job if he knows that Daniil Hunter is not here. And speaking of, of Brian Flores, let's just get this out right now. Let's get this out right now, and I've been thinking this for a while. Let's stop thinking that Brian Flores is going to be here for the next two to three seasons, okay? Think about it like this. The Vikings were the, one of the worst defenses in the league last year. So if Brian Flores can make any progress with this defense and get them in the middle of a pack, he's done a great job. And if you see that he's done a great job with one of the worst defenses in the league and brought them to the middle of the pack, he's going to get interviews for head coaching uh, vacancies. It's going to happen. But what I want to see is the guys that Brian Flores are bringing in or whoever is behind him or whatever, did Kevin O'Connell actually have someone in the background to kind of figure out what Brian Flores is, is doing, kind of be like an understudy, just in case Flores gets another job next season. These players, these young players, don't start back at, you know, ground zero again just because, you know, the D coordinator has left. That's something to think about, too. All right, all right. Everson Griffin. This is probably one of my favorite players um, as a Viking. And um, it's just real sad to see that he's going through these things in his personal life. Uh, he just got a DWI in Minnesota. And I don't really want to get into the severity of the issue. But I just want everyone out there to understand that there's these players deal with a lot of issues. Like they deal with a lot of issues and we need to kind of start when we were reporting or when we're doing these podcasts, we need to understand that these guys are people first before they're NFL players and stuff like that. Like me being from Southern, Southern California, you know, out here in San Bernardino County now, you know, Everson Griffin went, went to UFC and I was USC, sorry. And I was so excited, you know, for him to become a Viking and he's, you know, on that defense for a while for, you know, his his tenure here, like he was the heartbeat of that defense. You know, it's just like I loved Everson Griffin. And I wish I wish him the best, but I just feel like, you know, we got to understand that some of these players were a lot of hits to this to the head, you know, CTE, all this stuff is real with the concussions on top of, you know, mental issues like we kind of we knew of some of the mental issues that Everson Griffin was, was having before. He started his NFL career. So I just wanted to make sure 
in my podcast that I show my respect for Everson Griffin and, you know, wish him the best. And, you know, hopefully he can get the help that he needs. Now, this is a big topic, you know, going forward, which is the training camp. Players are reporting the training camp Sunday, which is today. This this podcast might be out, you know, on Monday or Wednesday. I haven't decided when I'm going to drop it yet. But these are some things that I'm looking forward to seeing in training camp. I already talked talked about Brian Flores, but I want to see what that defense is going to look like. All right. For those of you out there who have this weird thinking of thinking Lewis Seen is a bust, the kid broke his leg last year. Okay. He broke his leg last year playing special teams. And this is how I feel about the special team situation. If a lot of you fans out there feel that, um, Donatello was not running the defense right, then you have to give the rookies a pass this season. You have to, because if he wasn't running the defense right, then that basically means he wasn't putting players in the right situation to excel, i.e., you know, Lewis Seen and Brian Osamoa, you know, a couple of young players. So you can't sit there and say, like, oh, he's a bust because – you know, the rumblings is like, oh, he's behind Cam Bynum and, and you know, in minicamp and OTAs. Yeah, he's recovering from an injury. Like, let's give the kids some time to, to figure it out. And I have this real theory about Lewis Seen, too, and I kind of feel the same way. I expressed it months ago that maybe Lewis Seen is not a safety. Maybe Lewis Seen could be one of those hybrid safety linebacker type because he is big enough and he is tall enough and he is strong enough to actually play linebacker. Maybe he might spend some time as, you know, linebacker or depending on what kind of sub packages, you know, um, Brian Flores puts out, but I'm open to it. I like the kid. He's fast. I just really hope he learns the NFL, you know, version of how, how, how to hit and not, you know, be a headhunter going forward, you know, because we don't need him getting suspended and, and getting too many fines, you know, for that. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Lewis Seen is going to develop into, you know, under Brian Flores. And I'm not going to be the one to sit there and say, like, hey, he has to start week one. I'm not saying that because we in a different NFL now. And his Brian Flores wasn't on the staff when they drafted him. So we got to see how it pans out and can bind him. You know, he's already, you know, there. He knows a little bit about the defense because considering, like, we got to really consider that Brian Flores and Mike Zimmer, they come from a similar coaching coaching tree. You know, they actually do. So we have to really wait and see. Asamoah, I'm not big on Brian Asamoah at all. I'm not. I think he's too small. I think in the Lion games, um, well, I know in the Lion game, like he got forklifted by a wide receiver. And if you're a linebacker in the NFL, you can't have these receivers out here pushing you around like that. So Brian Osamoa is is my guy. Like everyone's hyping him up. And he's a guy like I'm I'm really not big on. I'm, I'm really not. But that's what I want to see in training camp. You know, as for you know, for the defense. Oh, let me get back to the defense. I'm sorry, I'm I'm going too ahead of my head of myself. Let's see who are going to be the pass rushers and who can get to the quarterback consistently outside of Daniel Hunter. 
because like we had, like I said before, we don't know what's going on with the Neil Hunter. We really don't. Um, hope that Harrison, Harrison Smith can actually get back to the way he's been playing football his whole, his whole career, um, you know, down in the box, you know, rushing the quarterback a little bit, like just get back to Harry the Hitman. Um, let's see what the defensive backs look like. Um, I really think if Andrew Booth stays healthy, you know, he's going to be a factor, but you know, the best ability is availability. So we got to wait and see what his health is going to be like, you know, going forward to Caleb Evans, like he made strides last year, but the guy had like three, four concussions and like, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't know what's going on there, going on there. So the linebackers too, it's like, let's see what's going to happen with these linebackers because I think the Vikings are really soft at linebacker. Um, so let's see what develops in training camp. As far as the offense, let's see how fast Jordan Addison could actually be on the field and not on the highway. Like, Let's see if he can come in and contribute, you know, day one. Um, you got guys out there that's thinking like, oh, Jordan Addison is already penciled in as a number two receiver. I don't think so. The number two receiver is KJ Osborne. Um, I feel KJ Osborne was number two last year. Like Thielen was actually number three. And the plays that KJ actually made, you know, in certain games, like the Bills game, the Colts game, like he was making plays, the Carolina game, he was making plays like like all over the field. And I think going into this season, he is the number two receiver. Um, Addison has to pick up and figure things out. And if he can be a legit number three this season, that's great. That's great. Um, I'm expecting a big year from TJ. TJ Hawkinson going forward, considering that he's going to be in this offense the whole season with the training camp. So considering what he did, just coming in at the trade deadline was it was tremendous. Um, I mean, it was it was dope. I, he, did, he did a great job. Uh, let's see how how more comfortable Kirk Cousin is going forward in the offseason, too. Let's actually see how Kevin O'Connell is going to change his offense and basically run the ball more efficiently. That's what I want to see, too. You got Ed Oliver, um, you know, which is a, um, a run blocking tight end. Um, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what this offense is going to look like if they can run the ball efficiently. I'm not saying just rack up a gang of carries and see what happens. I'm saying, like, hey, second and two, boom, Madison gets three yards, first down. Like, keeping the chains moving, like, nothing too cute like he was doing before where it's like, it's like third and two, and you you got guys dropping back, you know, you, you know, for you got Kirk dropping back for a long pass. Like, bro, you only need two yards. You only need two. So um that's the end of this show, man. I just want to, you know, say things pretty quick and uh you know, let you guys know I'm still out here. I'm trying to make consistent videos and um like, subscribe to the podcast. I mean, you can find us on Twitter, you can find me on, on Instagram um especially youtube you know but going forward you know i'm gonna be really really consistent with bringing these videos to you guys and giving you guys more viking content from the skull state of mind perspective skull thanks for tuning into the skull state of mind podcast take a beat to give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts Join us next time and don't forget to follow Skull State of Mind on all social media platforms to keep up with all the news and updates. 
Thanks again for listening, and as always, Skull Vikings!